space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we're talking about... We're, we're finishing off the, the Q Voyager episodes this week. So we did um, Death Wish and the Q in the Grey last week. So we're finishing it off with Q2 this time. And then we're... Yeah. Uh, and this is... Uh... The last Q episode that we haven't You're played, right. So. Yeah, apart from uh, in Lower... I mean, Lower Decks, it wasn't really a Q episode, but it turned up. So, yeah. yeah but it, we, we we spoke about that anyway when it was out, so... Yeah, oh, yeah, true, yeah. So, that's the, you're right, this is it. We've covered all of all of Q in all of Star yeah, Trek we've now. Done the Q, we've done the Q-verse. There we go, we can take that one off. Uh, which is a bit of a shame, really. So, yeah, he's funny, he's yeah. cute. And then the second half of the episode, we're taking a little break from Voyager and we're looking at Arman Bashir because even though the main focus of what we're doing at the minute is the run-up to Prodigy, which is Janeway, which is why we're focusing so much on Voyager, but we've got this suspicion that yeah. she might be a hologram. So, look... It's a tenuous link, but we wanted to cover a good, fun holodeck episode, so we've gone with... And Armand Bashir is a great, fun it's holodeck. a brilliant, brilliant holodeck episode. So. Yeah, and and to be fair, if, um, like, the latest reports coming out of when Prodigy might actually air mm -hmm. can be believed, we probably want to... We don't want to just be on Voyager because we'll be doing Voyager till August. That's true, yeah. We need to mix it up a little bit and throw in some of these yeah. episodes here and there. Um, so we're going to look at that as well. But, yeah, let's start off with Q2 then. So before we get into the episode, how are we going to refer to young Q? Are we going to call him young Q or are we going to call him Qua? He calls him Junior, doesn't he? Junior. We'll call him Junior then for the rest of the episode. Yeah, Q, call, Q calls him Junior. So he does. So yeah, if that... it's good enough for Q, it's good enough for us. Yep, absolutely. So that'll that'll suit us then for that one. Uh, so we'll call him Junior for the rest of the episode. So Q2 then from Voyager's Season 7 Voyager as well. So he, yeah, he turned uh, very, up... Very close to the end of... Yeah. It's episode 18, so... So he turned up. The end. He turned up in season two, came back for season three, and then quite a big gap. Yeah. But yeah, it's nice to see him again before they they wrap up Voyager. So we start off then with everybody's favorite re oh XB now they call them, don't they? An ex Borg Echeb giving us a a history lesson on Captain Kirk. Yeah, mm. not the most popular character each ever, is he? Bless no. him. No. But, um, but obviously the actor who plays him, Manu Interime, um, we have personal experience with from seeing him at a convention, and he's an interesting fella. We won't, we won't get into it too much, but, um, yeah, he 
made a bit of a name for himself at the convention that we saw him at anyway. So <laughs> he's talking about Captain Kirk. I always like it when they do little sort of references like this. So, you know, calling back to Star Trek history. So having a character who's studying Kirk, yeah. I think, is pretty cool. Yeah, and it's showing that it's all in the same universe. So. Yeah. And to be fair, Kirk is someone who you would study. Like, even if you were in Starfleet, he, he's got to be a famous guy, Kirk, with everything that he got up to. So I can see why yeah. Echeb studied him. And a, apparently, Janeway says that that means he's passed. He's passed his early Starfleet history straight away. Yeah. Yeah, and she doesn't even listen to his entire essay. Well, that's it. I think she didn't want to listen. She cuts him off after chapter one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There was some really interesting stuff that he won't have heard about. Maybe it's because she was worried he was going to get to, like, Star Trek V and they'd have to hear about that, so... Well, well, he did have uh, 34 chapters left to go, so... Yeah, there you go. So he skipped out some of it, (laughs) And he did say that he'd been thorough. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. He's obviously missed out a few. So surely it should be. Well, you got seventy nine episodes, so that's at least seventy nine chapters, and then. Yeah, but were they all sort of like noteworthy? Should be in the annals of Starfleet. No, probably Spock's brains worth skipping out anyway, and and the children <laughs> shall lead. There's a couple, yeah, that you wouldn't. Yeah, you wouldn't talk about too much. Um, so then Junior turns up, and this is John Delancey's son, isn't it? The actor. So, yeah, it's his actual son, yeah, yeah, which I think is quite a nice touch. Yeah, but you can tell he's got similar mannerisms and he definitely resembles yeah. him. So, yeah, that's really good. And he obviously the character takes after his dad because he's put the crew in a time loop now so that he can talk <laughs> to Janeway. Um, and obviously, Q turns up, and that's as that's as set up for the the episode. And I said last week that I wondered if he'd asked um, Picard to be the Godfather, and Q even sort of calls that out, like he says, "Oh, I wonder if I've left it too late to ask John Luke now." Yeah, because he's not he's not necessarily too yeah, so. So it's only Janeway who's the godparent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Auntie Kathy. Auntie Kathy, yeah. <laughs> and he basically wants Janeway to sort him out. Like, Q don't want to do too much parenting, so he wants Janeway yeah. to come sort um, it all out for him. Fi- like, female Q has already ditched him. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame she didn't come back. She was really good. I mean, it's, it's good for us because we... The more characters, the more characters you have called Q, the more confusing it gets. So it's not too bad for us that we don't have three different Qs to talk about. But I really liked female Q. She was she was a good yeah. a good counterpoint to him. But anyway, never mind. And so Junior starts making trouble of himself straight away. I like that he just turns engineering into a rave. Yeah, it's party. Yeah, that's yeah, good lad. But yeah, it's it's not often. I mean, we get it a bit more, like in Discovery and stuff. We see him partying a little bit more. But yeah, he just makes it into like this really nineties yeah, kind of rave thing. 
Yeah, I insist for Lana dance with me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he does have a bit of a creepy side to him, which will, particularly with the women, which we'll get to as we go through. But yeah, um, uh, like I, you've got to. I know a lot of people don't aren't big fans of uh, Neelix, mm. so you've got to admire what how he treats Neelix. Yeah, the rat just seals his mouth to shut him up. Yes, that. <laughs> You, you've got to get the feeling that maybe that was a bit of a joke as well by the writers. Like, well, this is what you've wanted for seven years, so yeah, there you go. We're going to have a character actually shut Neelix up for five minutes. <laughs> and Tuvok's got the best plan, though. Like, we're just going to ignore him. That's it. We, do, we won't respond to anything that he does. We'll just... <laughs> it'll be fine. We'll just ignore him. He'll go away. And yeah, you'll get bored. <laughs> yeah, and this is the bit where it gets a bit creepy, like where he makes seven of nine naked. And to be fair to her, she don't care. She just gets on yeah, with she's it. Just go. Yeah, you're not. You, you're not embarrassing me. <laughs> and I think that'd be seven of nine's reaction anyway. Even if Tuvok hadn't have said right, what we're gonna do is ignore him. Yeah, I think she's just yeah, like yeah, whatever. It, yeah, it's the, fine. You, you can do this, but I'm not going to rise to it. Yeah, but again, little bit creepy from from Junior yeah. there, and also little bit creepy from the writers. Like, yeah, let's let's we'll just get Jerry Ryan naked in this episode just for you know for laugh of it all because we want to because we want exactly <laughs> like there the were. They they were never dishonest about why they brought her in, but yeah, I think it's a bit gratuitous. But there you go. And yeah, it, like like let's be fair to Jerry Ryan here because I think Jerry Ryan plays a great part. I'm sure he to does. Say yeah, that the right the the brought her in basically as eye candy. Yeah, and yet she plays. She doesn't play the role like that. At no, all. not at all. I mean the the. The thing is, they did do that, but Seven is one of, if not the best developed character on Voyager, and yeah. Jerry Ryan's one of the best actors, easily. And yeah, and, she, and she, um, how she's come back in Picard shows that she's absolutely yeah, uh, yeah. She definitely transcended what they they were originally going yeah. for. Uh, so Junior makes the replicator rude, which I think is quite good. And this is where we get this bit, like you say, with Neelix. And Neelix thinks that he'll be a better mentor for him. I don't know what he bases that on. Because um, he's godparent to oh, Naomi, isn't co- he? Of course he is, of course he is, yeah. And he, um, to Naomi Wildman by this time, he's been doing most of the parenting there. And obviously, not to make a smutty joke, but we know he's good with kids because, you know, he, he had Kez with him for a while and she were only three or whatever, so... <laughs> yeah, there you go. And... Um, Neelix is giving him all this stuff about, yeah, you need to help people. So he's showing that he's starting all these wars, basically, just for the laugh. But Neelix <laughs> is like, well, you know, why don't you try helping him and, you know, stopping wars <laughs> instead of starting it? And that's when he gets his jaws. He's, what is he does? He, like, 
He fuses his jaw he, he together. He sort of fleshes it, flesh, it sort of seals his mouth up and flesh. But it, it says he does something to the vocal cords as well. Like, he's really not taking any chances. It's like, I'm going to fuse your jaw, yeah. I'm going to put this flesh over your mouth, and I'm going to sort your vocal cords vocal out. Cords at the yeah, same time. <laughs> he really, really don't want to listen to Neelix. <laughs> so. Then you get the bit where he makes the Borg turn up, which is he's sort of he says he's doing it to test the crew, you know, to see how they respond and everything. And to give them the due, they do yeah. take it seriously. Like they're not they're not just sort of oh this yeah, is just Yeah, they take it seriously. And like Janeway says, we've defeated the Borg previously, we will do again. Well, they have. Before, without your interference. And, you know, this is one of the... One of the things that Voyager gets criticised for is that they made... They, they often portrayed the Borg fairly weakly compared to what they were like in The Next Generation, which I don't think is... Yeah. It's not an entirely fair criticism because the thing with the Borg is they did make them way too powerful when they brought them in. But they were too cool not to use them again. And it, but if you're gonna yeah. use them again, you can't keep them that powerful because it it just isn't believable that anybody would be able to defeat them. You know, yeah, they showed it, in TNG like, that it was a major task to defeat the Borg. Um, yeah, but it's also like they got you. They ended up being used so much because. There was so much money spent on the costumes oh, and yeah. the prosthetics and and everything that they couldn't just leave it lying about and not you. It, well, it exactly. had to be reused. And it was always, uh, until these later days of Voyager where they were using them way too often, it was always a major event when the Borg came back because you knew that yeah. meant something that was really big. Um, yeah, like... Like Scorpion, I think is there's some really good Voyager Borg episodes, but there's also some that are really silly. How easy they get through. Stuff. Yeah, that's it. Um, but it, it is good that they they sort of treat it as you know, even though it's Junior's made this appear, we're still we've still got to react as though it was a real threat, and it shows the crew being really competent and everything. And then Q himself turns up. And he basically just says, oh, don't do it again. <laughs> and that's the extent of it. Yeah. No, but he, sa- he also says to him, I've told you, don't antagonise the Borg. Yeah. So, so, I think it's probably the nature of the Borg. The Q can't really interfere with them. Yeah. The way that they do with... With other life forms and all that. Well, they're not going to get much sort of comeback from the Borg ever. Like, cer- no. certainly with the Q we know, uh, it's well, because I he enjoys the also, banter. I wonder if it's also a throwback. Like he says, he like we mentioned this last week um, in Q who where, where we first where we first meet the Borg. That he's actually responsible for the Borg attacking Earth, like they do. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if like he's aware of this and is and that's why he's telling Junior yeah. to antagonise the Borg. It's a lesson results you don't expect. Yeah, it's a lesson that he's actually learned and that he's trying to pass on yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. 
And we also find out as well, in following up from the last episode, the Q and the Grey, the whole thing was they thought that creating this new Q was going to unify the continuum, but we find out from Q here that that didn't work at all because Junior's a bit of a delinquent and he's actually <laughs> made things worse rather than making things better, which you can believe that from well, a child of Q. So, like, Well, I wonder what he means by... I I wonder what he means because I, think, I think that junior appearing is new experiences for the queue, which is what mm. they wanted, which is new stuff. But I think it's that the fact that things are changing yeah. is what they're complaining about. Uh, it could be, yeah. I got the impression that uh, it just caused a load of problems. I think, but... it's disrupt- I think it's disruptive, etc. But I think the problem is that, because we saw it in um, Death Wish, mm. The queue are almost stuck in a rut that they've yeah. done everything, seen everything, there's nothing new. And the suicide, firstly, and then the child, and new experiences that the queue can sort of learn from. Yeah. And they're not used to learning, and, and, that, and it's changing. Yeah, and I think that's that. what the disruption is. So it'd have been disruptive just the fact him being there, regardless of how he, he actually conducted yeah, himself, potentially. I, yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah, so. I don't think it's so much that what he's doing because I get the impression the Q interfere with stuff like that all the time. Yeah. So it's Q, the fact that is something new is a new experience. They it could well be yeah. around them. So Q asks Janeway for help by appearing in a bath with her, and I was <laughs> I was watching this and thinking. Is this because he's got a thing about Jane Waver? It's like, nah, he used to appear ne- next to Picard in bed and all sorts of stuff like that. So I <laughs> yeah. don't think it's it's not <coughs> it's not necessarily that at all. And um, they set sort of a time limit, like you've got a week to sort your act out, basically, or we're gonna turn you into an amoeba. And yeah. the idea is if we leave him on Voyager, he'll learn things, he'll get better. And he starts hanging out with Echeb, which isn't necessarily the best idea, certainly not for the viewers, but... And he has another bit no, where he, ca- he, he kind of pervs on Seven again. He's like, do you want me to make you naked again yeah. or whatever? Can, can, I see you, can I see you naked again? Yeah. I mean, okay, he's meant to be a teenage lad and stuff, but it's just, there's no need for it. But... Luckily, Chakotay is on hand to teach him diplomacy because I don't know why Chakotay is the best man for this job. He wasn't very good at diplomacy, really. He was in the Maquis, who came about because (laughs) of failed diplomacy and tried to, instead of being diplomatic, tried to regain their territory through terrorism. So I'm not sure Chakotay is the best man for the job, but... I yeah, suppose you, you've got like, to give him something to do in the episode. When Dakota started mentoring him, like we missed out a huge opportunity for another story. Oh, uh, exactly. Where was all the stories about eagles and wolves and the lion? And... Yeah, he could, he could have had a story about a great king who had a child and the child had to learn the lessons. Yeah. It, yeah. Maybe he's just... he's get, Maybe he's told all his stories what, by I, this point. 
after seven after seven seasons, he's run Se- out of stories. Yeah, seven years in, everyone's heard all of his stories. They don't want to hear any more of them, even people he's not met before. Um, but it, the sequence is quite cool, where it's he's got to solve this diplomatic problem. And Chakotay sort of thinks, oh, he's going to be here all day. And he comes back and not only has he sorted it out, but he's got the Cardassians to apologise to the Bajorans for the the occupation, occupation and everything. Occupation and that, yeah. Which we find out later that he's cheated, but you know what? Captain Kirk cheated on um, tests that were difficult, yeah. so... Yeah. It's initiative. Yeah, but Janeway don't think so. She's like, no, I can't help you. And he says, please, Aunt Kathy, you're my only hope, which is very help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi sort of thing. Yeah. And his, his next task is he's got to write an essay on the continuum. And, like, Echeb, Echeb actually gives some good advice. He's like, well, why don't you start at the beginning? <laughs> then tell us, <laughs> you know, maybe start at the beginning, tell us what they yeah. did, how they've interacted with humans, and then give us a bit of a summary. So, it's, yeah, well done, Echeb. That is a good a good how, structure for uh, an essay. How, how, would this, how would I go about this? I've never written an essay before. It basically hands, hands in Echeb's essay. Yeah, exactly. But, again, you know, we've all, we've all borrowed essays, I'm sure. We did one at school, actually. We, uh, we'd all forgotten, well... There were four of us, and only one of us had remembered to do the essay for this. Um, it was history, <laughs> history essay. So we all borrowed Shazzy's essay and basically copied it. But then the best thing was, when it got marked, we all got higher marks than he did, even though we'd all nicked <laughs> his essay. And I don't know what the teacher were playing at, so we all got different marks, even though we'd all handed in exactly the same essay. Yeah, She didn't last long. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, stealing he's essays. Just going through paper. He's obviously just going through papers. Yeah. And just writing at the bottom, isn't he? Not reading anything. But yeah, that was brilliant. It was like out of 20 or something. One of us got 16, 15, 14, and Shazu's essay, we nicked it. <laughs> got 13. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Junior nicks the essay. And um, Q comes back and he's really sort of dismissive of the essay. He's not paying any attention and everything. And he says, he's just not showing enough Q-ness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is great. Yeah, it's got, he, he, yeah, he's essay, yeah, it's very nice, but it's nothing special. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it should be, sh- and Janeway said, but you're his father, you need to show you're proud. And he goes... But I'm not. Yeah, I'm not proud, so I should have shown, yeah. <laughs> Very cute. That's that's showing a lot of cuteness, is that that attitude. And so we've got this thing of well, if the continuum don't let him off, Janeway's gonna ask if he can stay as a human and stay on the ship. But he's like, oh, I don't wanna be a human, now I, I wanna be a Q. I wanna be a Q. And that's good because we're so used to in Star Trek everybody wanting to be a human. You know, like Data obviously had this whole thing of wanting to be a human, and it's well, we have the doc, we have the doctor who wants to be Tretmore human. Yeah, exactly. So it's quite refreshing when you have a character who says, "No, I don't want to be like that. Forget it. I want to yeah. be what I am rather than that. <laughs> I want to be Q." <laughs> 
So he goes on a, a joyride, basically, in the Delta Flyer with Echeb, and they get accosted for trespassing, end up in a battle, and Janeway has a really good line where he says, Aunt Kathy, she goes, don't Aunt Kathy me. <laughs> I like that, like how Picard used to be with Q, even though the Q as a species are so much more powerful and everything, you have these characters like Janeway and Picard who just don't stand for any rubbish at all from them. Even though they can just yeah. click the fingers and wipe them out of existence, they're just like, no, I'm not having any of it. And I really yeah. like that. If you're going to do that, do it. But I'm not going to take your bullshit in between. Yeah. And obviously Cisco took it to next level and just whacked him one. But... <laughs> just knocked him out. Yeah, that, there you go. In fact, you... It's surprising, really, that Q has so much to do with Starfleet captains because he, he never quite gets his way with them. And HM gets injured. Q refuses to ask it, uh, to help him. And it's all very predictable where it's going to go, but it, it's good. It goes yeah, through the motions. You've got to show the moral high ground. Yeah, and... why have you come back if you didn't care for him? You could have just carried on running and it's making him realise that it's because he's his friend and everything. And ultimately, it's a bit of a weird sort of setup. So they go, oh, well, it's these aliens that have done something to him, so they've probably got the cure for it. Not necessarily, <laughs> but... Well, they, it looked more like it was... Uh... Like, as he opened the rift, it looked more like a discharge because yeah. of two different energies hitting yeah, each like, other. Yeah, but they might have a way of sorting it out. Anyway, it's a bit of an assumption, but anyway. So he goes back to the aliens, he asks for the help, and of course it turns out that it's all been a big setup by Q to test him and get him to show it and everything. Yeah, but it's almost showing his humanity, isn't it, by <clears throat> caring for his friend and all that. It's that cuteness. But we did see this. We this is like being done before. Yeah, it's with that. Q because this was done in the Next Generation mm. when he had his Q had his. Yeah, this is very him. similar to in Deja Q. Yeah, and it was by doing a selfless act. Yeah. That and he got his powers back. So I suppose if it's showing a bit more of the human side, I can see. Q, you know, our Q having that attitude because he has learned through all this. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And it obviously doesn't impress the continuum that much because they don't, they decide that he hasn't, he, do, he isn't worthy of it and they still want to turn him into an amoeba and everything. Yeah. They agree that they'll let him stay as a human. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's all a bit of a. It feels almost like a bit of a twist too far, really, in this episode, because it's said, but then immediately it's undone because Q says, oh, well, I told them that I were going to leave as well, so, and they changed their mind. So it's... Yeah. It's... I, d I don't think it works too well as a dramatic beat in the episode because it's it's dangled there for a second, but then almost straight away it's, it's taken it, away. Yeah. Um. But yeah, then, and like I say, it's a story. It's a story that we've seen previously. It is, yeah. And, and <coughs> why are the Q wearing a twenty-first century judge outfit? That's what I wondered. Yeah, that 
obviously it's an iconic look for Q, but he does yeah. it because it's it's the post atomic court of horrors and yeah, it's a very deliberate reference to that period in time and it kind of feels like somebody on the production staff of this has remembered the look but can't remember why Q has that look and they just think, oh, it's yeah. it, it's a Q thing, but you're right, it is a Q judge thing. Yeah, but you're absolutely right, it's it's not. It's it's a yeah, thing that it, like I reckon, like, visually, you know exactly what it is straight away. You know it's the cue in judgment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it works. But it does, which, it works visually as a, watching it, mm. but it doesn't make a lot of sense of why the cue continuum would all be... Uh, no, not at all. ...appear as uh, post-apocalyptic human judges. Yeah, it... it... It doesn't, unless they're doing it just for Q's benefit. Like, we know you like to dress up like this, so yeah. we're going to do it. But, yeah, I thought that as well. And then we care. Q is like a thank you. Gives Janeway something, which we assume leads to a bit of a shortcut. And then Janeway, cheeky, goes, Oh, can't you send us the whole way home? What you mean? Like I offered yeah, to last in, time and the she time threw before that. that. Back in his face twice. So yeah, he's offered yeah. to send you home twice, and now you're asking him why he won't do that for you. Like yeah, you've got, you've six you've six more episodes till you can go. <laughs> yeah, bloody do it yourself. I wonder if Hugh knows that at this point. You know, he's like, yeah, I'm not gonna. You've only because. Because he's omnipotent, so he'll be like, well, yeah. you know, I, I'm going to let her have the last couple of weeks. So if I send you home now, you're still going to have Neelix, whereas I know you're getting rid of him in a couple of weeks' time, so... You, we, <laughs> I'm yeah, doing you a favour. Yeah, don't want you taking him back to the Alpha Quadrant. But yeah, or maybe it's that Janeway's had a few years to think about it, and she's been sat there kicking herself like, I had a chance to get home, but... I turned yeah. it down and I feel a bit stupid. So if I ever see Q again, I'll definitely ask him either way. Yeah, bit cheeky. So yeah, so that's Q2. I think it's a decent enough episode. Like you say, we've seen it yeah. before. We've seen the main beats of the plot, but... Yeah, to, like to say there's like, what, seven, ten, oh... At this point, this is the 11th Q episode out yeah. of all of the Star Trek. Yeah. And we're talking approaching five, 600 episodes at this, 700 episodes at this yeah, point. Yeah. So surely they could have thought of something more original than rehashing a, a Q yeah. story that they previously You'd done. You'd thought so. I think they just wanted to have, like, one last bit of fun with it. Um, but yeah. I have a sneaky suspicion we're not done with Q in the Star Trek universe yet, so... Yeah, yeah. well, we've, we've talked about that. that yeah. Thing. It's looking like he's off to be in Picard season two. Yeah, And we hope, hope he's so. in Picard season Definitely. Two. So let's move on then and talk about Arman Bashir. So even though I've been enjoying the Voyager episodes we've been watching... Maybe it's just because I've just watched Q2 and, it, it, you know, it's a decent episode, but it's not the greatest episode. 
But I didn't half feel the contrast going from that to watching this one. Because this is sort of DS9 at its best. And it's just a, a great, great episode. Absolutely love yeah, this it's, one. It's a funny one, is this? Because every time I watch it, I really enjoy it. But it's not one that's on my go back and watch on its no. own list, if you know what I mean. Whereas for DS9... I'm more likely to go and look at something from the Dominion War or Yeah, that. but for DS9, this is a really standalone episode. You know, it, it, it is, is one that you could just watch. Yeah. So obviously it's it's a James Bond. It's a riff on James Bond. But I think they do Complete it... Complete riff on James Bond. I think they do it really well. Because uh, it, it's yeah. not... It doesn't often, it does a couple of times, but it doesn't often stray quite into Austin Powers' territory, but it's still a good spoof. It gets close a couple of times. Yes, it does. Um, But it's played a little bit more serious than that, and I think they do a really good job of fixing another plot onto it. You know, they actually managed to have some real-world stakes and everything to it, whereas... You could have just done this just as a holodeck episode with nothing additional, and it'd have been fine. You know, nobody would have complained. It'd have just been like, here's Bashir having a fun adventure on the holodeck, and that'd have been okay. Yeah, but I, they, they do manage to. They added some good, added some good jeopardy. Yeah, and it works really, really well. So. Obviously, even like the structure of the episode, we are doing it like a Bond film. So we get the opening bit where it's clearly the end of another adventure he's just been on and he yeah. takes out Falcon and he shoots him with the the champagne cork. Champagne cork. <laughs> but like that, the whole visual of it where he's got the bottle and he sees the reflection in the bottle, I think that's from Goldfinger. I do, it's not a bottle. I think it's... Bond's kissing a woman and he sees a reflection of a guy coming for him in the woman's eye and then he yeah. turns round and he that's when he, he electrocutes him in the bath in Goldfinger and it goes shocking, positively shocking. But um <laughs> so it's very much like that. And then Garak's gate crashing. But we you know, we get a little teaser. I know we get a teaser with every episode of Star Trek, but it feels more like uh, even more of a nod to Bond that you're doing a little teaser before you get the credits. Yeah. And yeah, like Garrick said, just giving him a round yeah. of applause for his story. His story. Now, it's not something that we did back in these days and it, with a syndicated show and stuff, but they should have done a Bond-style opening credits instead of, you know, instead of your standard DS9 credits... They should have done a one-off. And changed done, the credits. Yeah, changed the credits, done it as a Bond one, had a song and everything. I think that would have been awesome. And <laughs> maybe you would do that like now where Star Trek's a streaming show. I, you can change stuff I around. Could, I think you're more likely to do something like that nowadays than you were back yeah. then. They did, it for, they did it for Enterprise. Enterprise, with the, with yeah, the with the Mirror. Miradarkly, yeah. Episodes. So I'd have loved to have seen something like that, but yeah, you're not gonna like uh, Buffy used to do it now and again, um, change the yeah. credits up. But it's. Well, I uh, tell you what, I did find interesting, like how uh, Bashir was having a go at Gareth 
for breaking in, for entering his yeah. holiday and that I can have you arrested for this. Yeah, he said it's illegal, and that makes sense that it's illegal. Because... Yeah, illegal, and you shouldn't be because co- like we've talked about, we've mentioned previously, like yeah, well, we saw it in Lower Decks, didn't we? Yeah, that they have sex with the holodeck characters. Of course they do, yeah, and especially in Quark's Hollow Suites, that's primarily yeah. what the for. I mean, it, you know. With the hollow hollow decks on starships, technically there is a practical use. Like it can be used for training, and it can be used for this, that, and the other. And yeah, there's probably still people shagging on them. But yeah, Quark's hollow hollow suites essentially it's a brothel. That's yeah. Every program they talk about, apart from Miles and Julian's Alamo and stuff, <laughs> is always Vulcan. <laughs> Vulcan slave number six or whatever, so... Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you don't want someone just wandering in while you're doing whatever it is you're doing. So, yeah, that absolutely makes a lot of sense. Um, there's... When we come back from the credits, there's a good joke about Garrick says, well, isn't this on the other side of the world? How did, you know, how have we got here so quickly? And yeah. I feel like that's another dig at James Bond because it's always you have one scene he's getting briefed by M, then he's in the Bahamas, and <laughs> so I feel like that's yeah. There's uh, no tra- there's no travel time. And very very rare. I've got a little. I'm having a little bit of ch- of a chase with this guy around the streets of London. Oh, Bahamas next. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And it's always in James Bond, it's always, you know, Blofeld's going to detonate this bomb in 24 hours and somehow he manages to go to about eight different countries. Um, So I like that that's a dig to it. And then this is where, this is where it gets closest to Austin Powers with Mona Loves It is the name of the secretary. (laughs) And yeah, okay, you know, I mean, Bond... Bond had Pussy Galore, which is probably the the most outrageous one. Though I did like... Um, but he has... A lot of them have had these sort of names. Yeah, there's a Bond, good one. A lot of the Bond girls. One of my favourites is in Diamonds Are Forever, where she says, I'm plenty, plenty of tool. And um, Bond says, named after your father, perhaps. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> But yeah, this is a very Austin Powersy name. Like, what was she called in Felicity Shagwell or something in Austin Powers? Um, oh, I think that was Heather Graham's was Felicity Shagwell or anyway. And I like that Garak says, "Like, oh, it looks like I joined the wrong intelligence agency." You know, you've got these women and these gadgets and these penthouses, and because he's really shocked, and he's like, yeah. "What do you mean you're a spy? You know, you're just here in this penthouse." Yeah. Yeah, uh, what are you meant to be a, some sort of philanthropist or yeah. young businessman? And, and he goes, "No, I'm a British. I work for the British Intelligence Agency. Yeah, they provided me with this uh, flat and my valet." <laughs> and that was a thing that you know Roger Moore sort of brought to the Bond series because he he always the the reason he always gave for why he played it a bit more tongue in cheek is because he's like, well, it's. It is just ridiculous that you're meant to be this spy, but you go around introducing yourself to everybody by your name and everybody knows who you are, but you're meant yeah. to be a secret <laughs> spy and all of this. So, yeah, I like all of that. 
Then we get the the main plot. Well, the you know the I suppose it's the B plot, but it's what actually drives the episode is the runabout blows up. They get saved in the the pattern buffer, and I I did I've not really I've noticed it, but not really sort of thought about the consequences of it. That they go right, we're gonna wipe everything on the station to store the memory. I'm like. Yeah. Like, really? Everything. So, somebody's there working on an email. Vum, that's gone. All the quacks, hollow programs are gone. It, everything. Every single thing in the whole memory. All your books have yeah, gone. Like, all your, your private files. Yeah, it seemed. Yeah, it's just a bit a bit crazy. And it's it's never. Never touched on again. It's sort of like, oh well, we just we switched everything back on. So so where did all the yeah, data go? Back on you... in it, and it was all there again, which like, is really even more strange. Yeah, but but you've wiped everything, like literally everything you've said. But yeah, <laughs> okay. So we'll we'll have to let it go. But the knock on yeah, effect. We'll let it go. The knock on effect obviously is that now all the the senior crew, and it's another one like. So all the senior crew, apart from Odo, were on this this mission, and yeah, again, and, and Bashir, who was playing yeah, holiday, he won't needed. But you know what? Yeah, fine, we'll let it go because it you need it for the episode, and it makes it cool. So we get Kira as this Russian um, Russian spy character, which is another very Bondy thing that there, there was always women from other intelligence agencies that he had to reluctantly yeah, every, work with. Yeah, all the other intelligence agencies had beautiful women. That's true, actually, up yeah. Against Bond. Yeah, it, yeah, you're right, certainly in the later ones, because it was, yeah, Spy Love Loved Me and Tomorrow Never Dies and everything. Yeah, he never, never got put up against... He never had to work alongside a male agent from another one. No, uh, Felix from the CIA. Yeah, there's Felix, I suppose. Um, so yeah, Kira's this Russian spy, and the plot within the plot then is there's been a series of earthquakes, and so the Russians and the British are working together, and Doctor Honeybear, that another one of them names, <laughs> whose Dax has been kidnapped, and. This is this is your Roger Moore Roger Moore era James Bond kind of plot, and it? it's very Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker. Like I'm going to wipe out the world so I can start again. And um, I I thought it was Doctor No. Doctor No's yeah, Do- Doctor No's bringing down. They're trying to stop a space shuttle or something. No, uh, it. Uh, I don't think in Doctor No they want to wipe out the world to start yeah. again. Moonra- Moonraker definitely wants to wipe out yeah. the world. Moonraker it's he's gonna launch these poison canisters and he's got he's brought the most intelligent, best physical specimens up to the station and and Spy Love Me is the same, but it's under the sea. Moonraker's basically Spy Love Me again, but in space instead yeah. of so it feels it feels very much like it's a nod to that era, um, the master plan and everything. 
and we get O'Brien comes in, and we've got a picture, haven't we, for anybody who's watching on the yeah the live stream. We've got O'Brien as Falcon, and Falcon seems. Yeah, I just, I think, I think O'Brien's great as Falcon. He is, yeah, he's excellent, and yeah, he seems to. Cole Meany seems to be having a really good time with this one, having a really enjoying playing the the villain. And it feels like Falcon is like a recurring villain for for Bashir. You know, he, he's not yeah. like a one and done. He, he's sort of almost like Jaws that he keeps coming back. Yeah, Jaws kept coming back, didn't it? Or Blofeld. Yeah, or Blofeld. Because so, I think Kira says something like he's been trying to kill you for nine years or whatever. So, yeah, he's <laughs> obviously the recurring bad guy. And I bet if... If Bashir was inviting anyone else, I bet that is who O'Brien would play in this. I think he'd well, quite he enjoy that. Well, he does in the later one, doesn't he? Yes, he do does. Back to the ho- the, you do see them playing on the holodeck at this again. Yeah, you do. Falcon. You're right, and yeah. And he's complaining that he always has to play Falcon. <laughs> well, that's it. You see, I think, yeah, I think Bashir always had him in mind for for that role. But he kills Mona <laughs> Loves It anyway. Uh, they managed to get away by using Kira's secret earring and everything. So again, that's very, very, very James Bond. And Kira wants to kill Falcon, but obviously Bashir's like we can't. It's so Brian. But I like how Garak's up for it. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he's just like, no, we might have to. You know, you can't be, you can't be relying on it. So, and Garak, he gives that speech, doesn't he, about you've got to know when to walk away from it and real spies need to make hard choices and everything. And I like Kira where she's just going, who is Dax? Who is Dax? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's some really yeah, like good... Garrick's going... Like, Garrick, he, I can see this as well with him. He goes, you've got to know when to work, walk away and cut your losses. It's how I've survived. Oh, yeah. All my friends are dead. And that's the thing, like, we, we get it a couple of times in the episode, and it is, Garak is annoyed that Bashir's just play-acting at it, you know, and he's like, there's nothing entertaining about being a spy, you know, it's a serious thing. And <laughs> yeah. so I can kind of see why he's um, he's not best pleased about it, but he don't get that it is just meant to be a bit of fun. And then in the real world, I like Rom's bits where he's he's basically saying, "Oh, well, Quark, Quark won't pay for anything to let me repair the hollow suite, so I've had to bodge it." And he's like, "Where's yeah. the so and so? It's behind that, the spatula. Where, where's the where's the memory car? It's there behind the spatula." <laughs> yeah. So Rom's obviously had to just patch this up with anything he can find, yeah. which I think's great. But it it. it like he goes, it's there behind the spatula, but then he says, because it's made of um, so 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 and so, yeah, co- co- composite, which is a great conductor for so and so so and so. Yeah, no, he's he's clever. He's Rom. He's a lot cleverer than you m- meant to think he is in the early days. Um, it, it, like Rom's another. Rom's one of them characters that they developed mm. very slowly. Yeah, definitely. And you see, you actually see it from quite early on in DS9. Yeah. 
that Rom isn't as stupid as he's made out. No, absolutely. Bits and pieces. I think when I rewatched all of it the other year, I think the only time they got Rom wrong is in the pilot episode, the very first time he appears. I think yeah. he he was just meant to be like an arsehole Ferengi dad. Um, but then after that, they clearly decided, no, we're going to do something else with him. And like you say, it, yeah. it is seeded very early and the, the development is consistent from that point. But yeah, re-watching it once you've seen it all, the, the first time he appears, you have to just go, nah, that that's not rom really it's they, a pilot yeah they've, they've not got that worked out yet uh wolf gets to play like a henchman and he's like the the croupier at the the casino and they're playing baccarat which is that is james bond's card game and in the book of casino yep. royale that's what he plays but i think they sensibly changed it in the film to poker because Baccarat's got to be the most bloody complicated card game. Like, the, there's a I whole... I have got a clue how to play Baccarat. I, I don't think anybody has. The, in the book of Casino Royale, there's a whole chapter just explaining the rules of Baccarat. But <laughs> effectively, it's it's kind of like Blackjack. Like, you're aiming for a certain number, but there's a thing where you don't go bust if you go over it. But you only count like the second digit or something. So you're trying to get 19, I think. But if you go over 19, you've then got to try and get 29. And it's just, it's so bloody complicated. Um, yeah. So obviously for the film, they were like, no, nah, we're not going to do that. We're just going to make it poker that more people understand. I might have to learn <laughs> to play Baccarat, but anyway. Um, so yeah, I like that the playing back regs, that is from the Fleming books and everything. And he's using the alias, uh, Merriweather, which again was another thing Bond used to do. Like he's Mr. Somerset in one of the books and he always worked for Universal Exports and all of that. And there's this old thing of, I'm going to win the 5 million francs that I need, which is again, a very... Yeah, you want 5 million for me to go meet this guy? <laughs> Yeah, and he's like, you've got it there, I'm going to win it. I have to say, Alexander Siddig wouldn't have been a bad Bond at all. I think he nails it in no. this. He's got the look, he's very suave and everything, and he's clearly having a blast as well. Um, Before we go and meet Dr. Noah then, which is fantastic work by Avery Brooks, a weird bit that's dropped in this episode is... Oh, it's a Cardassian terrorist group called the True Way, which they sound like they're meant to be like the Cardassian equivalent of the Maquis. And I yeah. don't think well, we ever come back to them. Um, we have a few Cardassian terrorist groups, yeah. don't we, crop up? It's just a weird but I can't one. That what it... the names, without going back and watching, I can't remember the names of them off. Yeah, it's it just seems a weird one to drop in here, and like it'd have been it'd have been fine if they'd have just gone out with the Mackie, and you'd have gone, oh yeah, okay, the Mackie. But it it just seems. Yeah. I wonder if maybe they were just planting a few things that they didn't decide to use later on, 
Um, yeah, I, I well, ju- there was a bit with Kardashian tourists. And yeah, all that, there's, and, there is bits and bobs here and, and there. And but... you've got around this time, like, you've got the Klingon Kardashian war around this time. and Yeah, so all sorts going on. But yeah, I wonder. I just wonder if it's one that they thought, we'll have that in our back pocket and we can, if we want to make something of it, we can bring it in later. But anyway. So, Dr. Noah then, who's obviously a reference to Dr. Noah, but Do- um, yeah, Avery Brooks just absolutely hamming it up. And, you know, Avery's <laughs> a guy who, even when he's playing it serious, could be accused of hamming it up on occasion. And, you yeah. know, he, he just... he <laughs> His style is very... What's the word? Very, very stylized, I suppose. He's not, he's not a reserved actor most of the time. But, um, but yeah, he's obviously clearly just having an absolute ball, having it up as Doctor Noah. And I love the bit where like Bashir says, "Yeah, I'll, I'm gonna let you win, and I'm gonna destroy the world." And he sort of just goes, "Ha!" and then goes back to his machine. <laughs> He's absolutely brilliant. And his plan's great. Like, I'm going to set off all these earthquakes and it'll, the tectonic plates will settle, which will make the crust smaller, which will make the oceans rise. And it, yeah, I've got, I've got 74 lasers around the world yeah. to go off. <laughs> you know what? It sounds plausible. It's as plausible as any of the stuff in any of the Bond films, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It's absolutely, and Mount Everest will be the only bit that's above sea level. Yeah, that's which, right. Yeah, which you may maybe Waterworld is set in a post-Star Man Bashir world because that they end up at the end of Waterworld. Spoilers for Waterworld, but they end up at Mount Everest because it's the only bit that's above the sea level. So maybe there's a tie in there. You know, could be set in the Possibly. Waterworld set in the Bashir verse. Um, so he gets strapped to the laser, which is again, this is very much like uh, it's like the book of Moonraker. Um, in that one, Bond gets strapped to the bottom of a rocket that's gonna go off. Yeah, I've read, and, yeah, I've read Moonraker yeah, a long time ago. It's a weird one, is Moonraker's not much happens in it, like <laughs> the book, it, yeah. It, yeah, the book is nothing like the nothing film. Nothing at all. No, it's all that they, they want to blow up a, a nuclear bomb in London or something to knacker the banks. Or, uh, but but the, yeah. the actual ins and outs of the book, very, very little happens in it. But um, it has got a great bit, though, that Bond's plan at the end, because they think this rocket's going to go off. Uh, Bond's talking to the Bond girl and he goes, well, uh, when that rocket's about to blow... <clears throat> I'm gonna go out and smoke one last glorious cigarette and detonate it. Like you're not Bond, are you? Because as soon as you try and light the thing, it's gonna go up. Or are you gonna walk in with it in your hand and it'll just go as soon as you? I don't think you've thought that out. Um, <laughs> no spoilers for the book, but you know it probably does get away. Uh, but yeah, Bashir gets away because he he kisses Doctor Honeybee. Just this seduction thing, and I love Garak. Yeah, he seduces Dax. Like, I love how Garak's and, and just Garak's like, oh, quite, for goodness. Garak's quite right here. 
I do. I don't want to see your fantasies. This is too much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To be sharing. And yeah, but he barged into his program. That's true. If that's you don't want to see, legal. you don't want to see a man's fantasies. Don't break into his his hollow program. Yeah. And it's not like you didn't want to be part of it because you came dressed in a tux. So don't. Yeah. Don't be playing that card now. Um, <laughs> and it comes down to. Bashir thinks he's bruised his ego by doing this, and you have that. Bashir gets a gun out of his shoe, which I think's great as well. And it's this little <laughs> tiny, tiny gun. Uh, but he does shoot Garak, which I think impresses him. Like, up yeah, to this point, Garak's, Garak's like, that's it, I've had enough, I'm going to call it a day. Um, though it's very lucky. That he doesn't just say computer end program. He says, computer, show me the mechanism to do that. <laughs> it gives him time to actually yeah. shoot him. But Yeah, like, we have seen computer end program or just saying arch. Yeah, or... computer arch or computer pause. Any of that would have worked, but instead he... Maybe, though, yeah. knowing Gara... Like, the thing told... Like, we have missed, like... Uh, like in the while all this is going on, Rom's ripping apart the Defiant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Plus, like they've decided, like the bodies of the command staff are on the holodeck. Yeah, they're in but the grid. The, the mines are in all the rest of the computers. And yeah, they need to transfer it all to the Defiant. And this is why they need to stall and everything. Um, yeah. So I'm just thinking though about that with Garak. It wouldn't surprise me if he deliberately said that in a really long way to see if Bashir would shoot him or not. It's the sort of thing Garak yeah, might do to see if he can push him a little bit. Will he Will he do yeah, it? Yeah, calculating. And... Yeah, will he actually do it or will he bottle it? Um, so, yeah, this is where Bashir is just stalling for time and he does it by saying, no, you know, and he repeats what Garak said earlier on, which is pretty cool. And it's yeah, I'm gonna let Doctor Noah win so that um yeah. let's let's destroy the world. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that does buy him enough time. And that's when Cisco, <coughs> Cisco does that brilliant laugh where he <laughs> And yeah, it gets him enough time. They manage to beam everybody off. They save the day. Hell, Brian's not happy that Rom's been making a mess of his ship. Well well we see. We see it, don't we? When they first go on to Defiant, and Rom goes, "Well, it's the Defiant's technology won't be compatible with my technology. I'll have to do a few bits and pieces." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have uh, Eddington goes, "The Chief's going to kill me for this." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's almost a shame you don't get a little bit more at the end of that, but yeah, the well, episode you do get a. Um, oh, O'Brien turns around to him and goes, what have you done to my ship? Yeah. <laughs> but the episode's absolutely packed as it is. You know, we don't have time for it. But um, There isn't time for anything else. There isn't, no. And you do get the the line at the end, which again is a James Bond thing, where it's, I think we can say Julian Bashir will return, which is all very <laughs> cool. So, yeah, I just think it's a great episode. It's so much fun. It, 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 it is good fun. And it's... What I like about it is um, 
you have had stuff like this before, like with Data doing Sherlock Holmes on the, the holodeck, for example. But they've always gone for older things, whereas this is referencing... I mean, I know it's not recent, recent popular culture, but, I mean, James Bond has been present James in popular culture still... constantly since the, the 60s. So... Yeah, um, like... Well, this like this was done twenty odd years ago. Yeah, so this will have been the episode, a Pierce Brosnan this was season era. Four. Yeah, so yeah, yeah so Brosnan will have been James Bond was still well. James Bond is still very big, so it was referencing current popular. Yeah, culture. exactly. But you know, it has got the callbacks to the Connery era and the Moore era. But yeah, Bond is a a constant staple of popular culture and it's great that the they get to play around with that whereas usually it is things that are a bit older you you go with your shakespeare or your uh your yeah. robin hood or your um yeah next generation tended to do shakespeare robin hood yeah i mean dixon Sherlock hill Holmes. i know dixon hill wasn't real but uh, you know the hard-boiled detective you, thing Voyager does uh, strange Irish villages. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We we are definitely going to do those two episodes, but we're, we're waiting until the pubs have reopened so that we can have a proper drink before we tackle them episodes. Yeah. I'll certainly have yeah, a we drink. Might even stream, we might even stream from in a pub. Yeah, I think that's, that's the plan as it stands at the moment. Um, yeah. Yeah, we need to be drunk for some of them episodes. I think so. So, you know what? Why don't we, next week, we've talked about, why don't we do the Sherlock Holmes episodes? Like, we could do Elementary Dear Data and Ship in a Bottle. Yeah, two good episodes so, that yeah. tie in together. Yeah, let's do Sherlock Holmes then next week. Uh, we'll yeah, we'll go back to Next Gen. We haven't been to Next Gen in a while. Um, but, yeah, yeah in the... In the meantime, then, if you want to get in touch with us... If fact, it's over a year since we've been to Next Gen. It is, yeah, before Picard, absolutely. So if you want to get in touch with us, if you're watching on the live stream, the number, the addresses are at the bottom of the screen, but for everyone else, we're on Twitter at RetrekPod. You can email us, RetrekPod at gmail.com. You can come and join us on Facebook, search for Retrek. If you search for Retrek on YouTube, you'll find the channel that's hosting this video, but also Elliot's um, model model channel, which you're still working on a TOS Enterprise. Got all the uh, in the middle yeah, of all the wiring and stuff at the minute. Ah, there. lots yeah. of wires hanging out. Um, just got a new soldering iron today. My soldering iron broke, so. I've been at a bit of a standstill on, <laughs> yeah, on things, but uh, <laughs> back on full steam ahead. <laughs> so yeah, check that out. the The addresses for all of those pages are in the um, podcast episode description. So yeah, next time then Sherlock Holmes. But thanks for trekking with us this time, and we will see you next time on the retrack. Thank you. Bye bye.